This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Uh, Welcome. My name is Ron, and I'm so glad you're here this morning. For many of you, this is your first time, and uh, we pray that that, uh, you connect with God. We pray that you have a great time, that you learn, and that you allow God to speak into your life. It's been an amazing journey that we've been on that brought us to this day. And if I had to give you just three or four words that would describe that journey, the first would be the word adventuresome. Because uh, this is, for many of us, this is uncharted territory. It's been many decades since uh, a church has bought property inside the city limits of Petaluma. Uh, It's the first time that any of us in this church have been part of a church that bought a warehouse and converted it into uh, a facility that the church could use. It's, it's the first time uh, for us to take on a project this big. So it's all uncharted territory, and it's a great adventure. And, and uh, the second word that I would use is, it's been challenging. Now, most of those challenges are really good, but let me give you just a little example. I stood in front of the church one day at our, where we were meeting in, in the community center, And I said, you know, we're looking at that uh, piece of property and we've been working on it for months and months and months now and we've we've hired consultants and they've come in and, and, um, you know, we've invested tens of thousands of dollars just in consultants uh, to see if this could be done and to see if we could make it work and get a conditional use permit from the city and all of that. But here's the deal. We have exactly two weeks left to decide if this can happen or not. And, and we're $600,000 short of the minimum it would take to do it. So that's the deal. I'm not saying we got to go find $600,000. i am just saying if, if it's going to happen, then God's going to have to supply that somewhere. And you know what the amazing thing was? Two weeks later, from three different sources, God had closed that gap. That was a big challenge, a very, very big challenge. Uh, and that leads me to the third word, and that's the word fulfilling. Because one of the things that you got to know, and that is when you, when you somehow get connected with God and you begin to feel and sense that God is doing something in and through you and through the church that there is no human explanation for. That's a wonderful place to be. There's something very secure about knowing that you're in partnership with God. A little scary, but also very secure. And uh, so I want to share with you for the next just five minutes or so a couple of things about new life that you should know. Let's start with the context of new life. We have a little statement around here. You see it on a lot of our printed literature. And it just kind of embodies um, what we believe about life and, and what takes place in this church. And that is real God, real people, real life. Would you read that out loud with me, please? Ready? Real God, real people, real life. Now, the reason we put real is not just because we believe that God really exists, but the fact that God is real with us in the sense that there's no smoke and mirrors. There's no hide and seek. There's, there's no ambiguity with God. He, he just lets us see Him as He is. He talks to us about life as it really is. 
He's real with us. And what He asks us to do is to be real with Him. That's why at this church, you don't have to dress a particular way to come. We just want you to be real. However you would dress normally, we would just say, dress like that and come to church. Church is not about what you would wear. It's about connecting with God. It's about being real with God. We've worked hard this morning to put together uh, the service that we hope blesses you. But I stood back in, in, in a room right back here with the people that are going to be on the stage in a few minutes. And, and we held hand in hand and we, we got ready to pray. And I, and I just reminded them. You know, things may come off exactly as we have planned. They may not come off exactly as we have planned. But in the end, it kind of doesn't make any difference. Let's just be authentic in everything we do. It's not about performing. It's just about connecting with God, connecting with people. Now, if, if people decide to be real and authentic with God and they get in partnership with Him, there can be only one result, and it is they tap into what the Bible calls real life. Not just existing, not just getting up in the morning, getting the kids ready, running them off to school, then running them to soccer practice afterwards and running home and stuffing some food in their mouths and getting them in bed and then, you know, landing in your bed exhausted, only get up to do it again tomorrow. There's a better way of living than that. And it's real life. And that's what we work on every Sunday. How do we do that? Primarily three ways. And this is our mission statement. It says, first of all, that new life exists to connect people to God and others. So if you came to church this morning and I was visiting with people on the way in, one guy said, you know, my first time here and maybe my only time because I actually live in Houston, Texas. So, well, that's a bit of a commute. I understand. All right. But you know what I would say to him? The same thing I would say to you. Even if you know this is going to be your only time here, don't miss. Don't miss what God wants to do in your life, even if it's just for today. Let Him speak into your heart. Because, you know, church is where we connect with God and we connect with other people, which means you can hang around for as long as you want afterwards. I'll guarantee you 45 minutes after church is done, there'll still be a gang of people hanging out in the lobby. That's just the way we do church. We actually share life together, and that's, that's just a wonderful thing. The second thing we do is we develop people as followers of Christ. You see, when all of us, those of us who are Christians, when we became Christians and made that decision to follow Christ, you know, we had real problems in our life. And you know something? We still do. But He's giving us a way to deal with those problems and to begin to experience victory in them. And so every week we work on developing everyone who comes as a follower of Christ. So that what they do on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and all the way through Saturday matches what we talk about on Sunday morning. And the third thing we do is we move people into lifestyles of service. Oftentimes I will say, God didn't save anyone to sit. He saved everyone to serve. You have a reason for being alive. And it's, it's a reason far beyond just going out and buying the next toy that you want to buy. It's okay to buy the toy, but if you look to the toy for purpose in life, you'll be disappointed, and pretty soon you'll need another toy, and another one, and another one, and you will die buying toys. You see, 
we find our greatest fulfillment when we begin to turn that around and recognize if I want to feel good about life, it's not about what I can accumulate or accrue or get people to do for me. It's found in giving my life away in service to others. That's a great way to live. And so that's what we work toward. So there's the context of the church. There's the mission of the church. And I want to tell you our mission for this particular facility. Okay, And I'll give you four words. Uh, three of them you'll see up here on the screen. The first is a church. Uh, I know that uh, this doesn't look like a traditional church. But boy, do we have fun meeting God here. The reason is this, church, this building was designed as a wonderful place for new life and its ministries. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's just a great place for ministry. Those of you who have um, kids in the first through the sixth grade, they're having so much fun. They're in the back corner of the building in a cardboard maze with flashlights working their way through a cardboard maze made out of refrigerator boxes. Um, they yell, you, they'll tell you all about it when they come home. It's, uh, we could never do that if we had to set it all up and tear it all down every week and that sort of thing. It's a great place for our, for our ministries. The second word up there is community. This building isn't designed just for this church to use. We're already getting phone calls from community events, people that want to come and use this facility for community events. We believe very strongly that the church should bless its community. I look forward to the day when the community comes and uses this this facility for all different kinds of things because the church should bless its community. The third thing you see up there is city ministries. There are many other churches in this town and most have not been blessed with this kind of a facility, but they would love to do events that can only be done in this kind of a facility. We've already let them know this building doesn't belong to us. This building belongs to God. And any church that wants to use it for any way that would move God's kingdom forward Boy, it's theirs to use. We want them to use it. The last word that uh, is not up there, but if I were to write a word down, it would be the word emergency. Because this facility has been designed to be an emergency shelter for our community if we ever get the big shaker and everything goes flat. Okay, Uh, If that happens, there will be one auditorium and one corridor of safety still standing. I can tell you that for sure. I saw it being constructed. It's all earthquake retrofit. We built the restrooms uh, with showers and locker rooms. We're building a a full kitchen in it so that uh, if we did incur any uh, significant disaster that, that we would be able to house several hundred people, families, and kids, be places for them to take showers, place for them to be fed until we could get through that disaster. So that's our vision for the campus. You know, in a project of this size, there are many, many people, uh, just hundreds of people who have actually worked on this project, but I want to single out four or five today that I think deserve a little special recognition. And, uh, you know, this building used to belong to Yardbirds. It was their corporate headquarters and principal warehouse. And uh, they uh, used the services of a good friend of theirs, Bert Bangsberg, who has, was just invaluable in moving this project forward and helping us as a church uh, be able to buy this, and he was in our corner actually several times working for us. So, Bert, would you stand, please? 
Thank you. Thank you very much. This room is a beautiful room, and it works really, really well because we had a wonderful architect who worked very hard to put it all together for us to take an existing building and turn it into something really useful. And uh, Jim McCalligan is here this morning. Jim, would you stand, please? And Cheryl, Cheryl Lynn, would you stand, too? Couldn't happen without a really good contractor, and I saw him around here, but I don't know where he is right now. Rick DeCarly, where are you? There he is. And, you know, um, you could have all that stuff together, but if the city were not cooperative, I've read horror stories about pastors trying to build buildings and the city gives them a hard time. I want you to know the city of Petaluma bent over backwards for us to be able to do this, and we're cooperative in every way. And the mayor is here this morning. Mayor Pam Torliet, would you stand, please? And last but not least, you could have all that stuff together, but if you have no money, it never happens, right? And uh, the people of this church have been very, very generous and have just given extraordinarily for this to happen. But we had to have a loan as well. And there was a guy who went to bat for us, and I mean, he went to bat for us in a big, big, big way. And without him, this project never would have happened. He's from an organization called Church Development Fund. Would you welcome Mark Briggs? Mark? And all the rest of you who worked very hard, thank you, thank you, thank you. Today we start a brand new sermon series. It's a series on the family, and uh, uh, that's going to apply to everybody here. You may think, well, hey, I'm only a single. Well, you're a family of one, actually. You say, well, my kids are all gone. Oh, don't, you're not getting off that easy, all right? Because there's, uh, God has something for all of us, and... Uh, so we're going to start that series, and uh, if you were here a few weeks ago, uh, back by popular demand, a video to set it up. Take a look. Tired of your family? Do holiday get-togethers seem unbearable? Then you need the Family Survival Kit. New from the makers of Date Be Gone and Rent-A-Kid, it's the Family Survival Kit, filled with tons of family-neutralizing goodness. Like the criticism-canceling headphones. Harsh words go in, but compliments come out. Why can't you be more like your sister? She's always been here when... I am so proud. You are perfect just the way you are. I love you. Creeped out by over-affectionate dance? Not anymore with Family Off, specially formulated to repel unwanted affection. Now, how much would you pay? Never be asked for money again with the Mooch Whistle. It sounds out a high-pitched sound that only Mooches can hear. They'll be too confused to ask for anything. Undisciplined children are no problem at all with sleepy time brat darts. Just lift, aim, and blow for a whole 24 hours of brat-free living. But wait, there's more. Unsure of what to say to emotionally unavailable family members? Then let an expert say it for you with Dr. Phil in a can. Are you avoiding reality? Do you resent your children? Do you realize that this is a big problem? You can't change what you don't acknowledge. Thanks, Dr. Phil. If all else fails, use our patented nuclear family love grenade. Just pull the pin, toss it in. 
and let nitrous oxide put the fun back into function. So call this number and get your family survival kit today. Just three easy payments of $19.95. Order today and get the tongue cozy absolutely free. I can't taste a thing. So order yours today. Supplies limited. Price subject to change. Love grenade not legal in Utah, Hawaii, California. Not responsible for any damage or liability associated with improper use of products. May not work on Germans, accountants, or people who are sticklers for spelling. <laughs> I've been to a few family reunions where I could have used one of those. <laughs> Maybe more than one of those. Uh, boy, if you're like me. There are certain elements that you saw in there that maybe were a little too close to home. And for some of us, it's like, golly, that's kind of like family every day in some cases. Um, Well, the great news is God has good news for you. There's something you can do about that. I want you to take on the inside of your program, if you haven't already found it, there's a half sheet of notes. And uh, uh, I was nice to you this week. I put all the answers in already for you. So those of you who come every week, uh, we're just going to give you a break. But uh, I want you to follow along as we work our way through. First of all, I want you to look right up at the title. You notice originally it said family, making it great. And then we crossed out great and we put making it work. And the reason for that is because I think oftentimes we, we have this kind of family ideal that's in the back of our heads. Maybe we got it from watching Leave it to Beaver or something. But somewhere we got this ideal family where dad says something and the kids go, well, gee, Willikers, dad, I wasn't going to do it that way. But if that's how you say it should be done, then that's how I'll do it. I wonder what planet did you grow up on? Because it sure, it sure wasn't that easy in the, it, when I was raising my kids. And yeah, and most of us can't really relate to that. It, it, it works okay on a TV show, but that's not how real life works. So I think if we just kind of put to, put to bed the, the concept that our family will be the ideal family where we always get along and everybody's always nice and we always get things done that we're supposed to get done. And we just say, you know, I would settle for a family that just got the job done. It actually worked. So let's talk about family making it work. If a family really worked, if it really accomplished its mission, what would it be? Well, this morning I want to plant just three seed thoughts in your heart. And then we'll develop those as we work through nine more weeks of family. But let's start with the first thing that a family that works actually accomplishes. The first thing it does is it creates a safe and nurturing place for every member. A safe place. This is not a place where domestic violence takes place. This is not a place where verbal abuse takes place. There's no emotional abuse here. There's no sexual abuse. This is a safe place, and it's also a nurturing place for everyone, not just the kids. When family works, it's actually nurturing for the parents. It's not all parents give and all kids take. That's not a healthy family, although many families operate that way. Nor is it the opposite, where dad comes home and says, I'll tell you what, bring me my newspaper and a Coke and get out of my face. That's not a safe and nurturing place for anybody. Now take a look at what God says in His Word should describe the family. Don't let, don't say anything that would hurt another person. Instead, 
Speak only what will build them up. Now notice how he wraps this up. That way, what you say will give grace to those who hear you. I want you to circle and underline the word grace. And then just ask yourself, in our home, whether it's just you and your wife or husband, whether it's just you by yourself and people that you invite into your home as a single person, whether it's you and and your, your wife or your husband and your kids, whatever your home is, just ask yourself this. Does this home, the context of this home, the environment of this home, the way we interact with each other, does it give grace? Because a home that works provides a safe and nurturing place for everybody who comes. The second thing that a home that works does or a family that works does this. It competently prepares the coming generation in five different areas. Now, if you wanted to write another word out in the margin, you could also write the word intentionally. Competently means that you do it with skill. Intentionally means that you actually purpose to do it and strategize about that. All too often in America, the family is, the, the parents consider my job, roof over the head, food on the table, keep kids out of trouble. Friends, if that's your job, if, that, if that's how you look at your job description, you've missed the heart of it. Because the heart of it is the family exists to prepare the coming generation five different ways. First of all, physically. You should know how to develop your children physically. Get them fed well. Children that are fed correctly and have the proper amount of exercise. And I'm not talking about thumbs on a video game. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about children that the parents nurture them competently they develop them physically when children are fed well and rested well and well exercised they think clearer they make better decisions and they enjoy life more it's our job as parents secondly we need to develop them mentally it's not enough just to take your kid to school and say there's my kid I'll pick him up when he's smart It's not how that works. Okay? It's your job to help develop your children mentally. Figure out how to interact with them. We'll come alongside you and help you. That's part of our job as a church is to help you learn how to develop your children mentally so that they learn how to think and they learn how to reason and they learn how to properly analyze things that go on in in life and they learn how to make good value judgments. Those are all functions of children who have been well-developed mentally. Then develop your children emotionally. You see, no matter who your children are, life is going to throw at them some things that would naturally be emotional highs and naturally take them down to a low place emotionally. And, And good parents train their children how to develop emotionally so that that doesn't become catastrophic for them. It starts very, very early in age, when they're very, very young. 
You see, one of the best ways, you have natural teaching moments when your child is running and they fall down and they get an owie on their knee. Have you ever noticed that when some kids get an owie on their knee, the world is coming to an end? They yell and scream and they get mad and they get angry and they completely lose control. That's because their parents, even at that level, are not teaching them how to deal with that emotionally. Because when they grow up, the owie's not going to be a scab on the knee. The owie's going to be getting called in and getting a pink slip because the company's downsizing. And if you've properly prepared your child for that event in adulthood, it's not the end of the world when they come home. Yes, are they sad? Sure they are. But it's not the end of the world because they've been given some emotional strength. Let's talk about preparing your children relationally. You know, when all is said and done in life, it's really about relationships. I often get called to the hospital or to the home of people who are dying. And I always notice when I get called into those situations, I walk into the room, I look around. You know, there's the close family, there's the close friends, and there's the pastor. And that's it. They don't care about anything else. Because in the end, all the rest of life just falls away. All those toys that they may have collected. No, I've never been called into a hospital room and and, and somebody was surrounded by their toys and they said, I just want to die in the presence of my table saw. (laughs) And if you were here last week, you would understand even more about that illustration. Because it's relationally. But it's so important, vitally important for parents to train their children relationally, to know how to build and develop and maintain and fix relationships that have been hurt and scarred. Because someday you want them to grow up and get married and you want them to know already how to build a relationship and how to maintain it and how to fix it when it gets hurt. Then it's important for us as parents to develop children spiritually. Nothing affects us as deeply as things that take place in the spiritual realm. As parents, we cannot abdicate that and say, oh, I don't want to predispose my kid so I don't take them to church or do any of that stuff. I figure they'll sort that out when they get old enough and they can make their own choices. You'd never do that in any other field of life. Why would you do that in life's most important field? Your child has an eternal soul. You can't put that soul on hold for 21 years and say, now you figure it out. They've been given to you as parents so you can point them in the right direction. Notice what God says in His Word. God says, train a child in the way that he should go. And even when old, he won't swerve from it. We want to help you do that. Because a family that works competently equips the coming generation. And last of all, a family that works does this. They find a way to cope with the stresses of life together. I want you to circle and underline that word together. Because it's not a matter of if your family is going to take a wave broadside and your boat's going to rock pretty good and some of the water may come up over the edge of the boat and you may have to bail for a while. 
But I've noticed this, when families are healthy and they're put together right and they work, when when life gets tough, they draw together and they become even stronger in their relationships. And there are other families, they take a minor wave and it blows the family wide apart because it wasn't built well. Jesus himself said this. He said, you know, a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. I want to read you one more scripture in the Bible. It's found in Ephesians chapter 4. It comes from the pen of the Apostle Paul. God said, Paul, I want you to write this down. And he was actually talking about the church. But the church is just a family of believers. So everything God says about the church actually works in the home. And here's what he said. The whole body, or in this case, the whole family, fits together perfectly. As each part does its own special work. I want you to underline the words, each part. Vitally important. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy, growing, and what's the last phrase? Full of love. Underline the word healthy, underline the word growing, and underline the phrase full of love. Can you imagine how different our world would be if every family was healthy and growing and full of love? But for the next nine weeks, we're going to look at the individual parts of the family. Next week, I'm going to talk to fathers. The following week, I'm going to talk to mothers. And then we're going to talk about teens. Those of you who have teens are for sure going to want to come that Sunday. We're going to talk about not what to do with teens, a little bit of that, but we're actually going to talk to teens about what they should be bringing to the table. After that, we're going to talk about singles. We're going to talk about single parents. We're going to talk about blended families. We're going to talk about the extended families. Aunts, uncles, grandparents. You can't say, well, I'm all done. I've served my time. Oh, no, you're still part of the family. And you still have vital roles to play. Because as each individual part does its work, it helps all the others grow. This I do know, that what takes place in our families affects us deeply, very deeply. We put together a drama and a song. The drama is a modern, um, it's a modern reenactment of a story you'll find in the Bible. And I think in a very memorable way, you'll see just how deeply family affects us. No, I'm I'm good. You sure? Well, I need lots of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad you're home. Oh, me too. Oh, boy. At least we know he's okay. Yeah. Well, you do think he's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two years out, he he looked okay. You're such a good dad. You oh. 
Paul Watson called today. Oh, he did? Yes. Uh-huh. He's coming by. Oh, <laughs> it didn't take him long, no, did it? No, but he's just so anxious to hear. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. Jim, he's a good friend. Sure he is. <laughs> hey, did you finish up in there? Well, sort of. How'd we do? I paid about half the stack. Yeah. What's that? Anything good? Yeah. More people want more money. Do we have any? No, not oh. that I know of. Well, why worry? Yeah, why worry? <laughs> hey, you want some tea? No, I told you. I'm fine. Okay. Hey. No problem. Speaking of. Hey, Jim. Hey, Lori. Hey, hey Paul. Paul. You want some tea, Paul? No, thanks, Lori. I'm going to for a few minutes. Okay, no problem. You guys call me if you need anything. Yeah. So, I'm uh, just enjoying the day. Yeah, you are. What'd you find out? Well... A few thousand dollars and miles later, we can say that we know where our son is. Really? Yeah. Found him? Yeah. Where? Paul. Oh, come on. Where is he? Let's just say that he's a long way from here. All right. You don't have to tell me. Is he coming home? No. Not that I know of. What did he say? What did he say? I didn't talk to him. You didn't talk to your son? I, I just wanted to see him. I wanted to know that he's okay. And he is sort of. A, he, he's a grown man, Paul. I bet Lori feels better. Yeah. Yeah. Set you back a bit, did it? <laughs> Let me tell you, I've earned some frequent flyer miles. <laughs> That coin collection, uh, you mentioned something about having to spend some of it. Well, I parted with a few of them. Uh, what's a few? Most of it. Hey, I managed to hang on to some good ones, though. I kept them. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jim. What about that house remodel? Oh. <laughs> hey, Lori. Paul wants to know about the remodel. <laughs> What? Jim, Lori, what's so funny? dumb. Yeah, I was so stupid. Oh, I don't know. I don't know where I was. I mean, I was inside, and then I came out on the porch, and uh, I, I, no, I've been over this time and time again. I ju- it's just not here. Are you sure I didn't give it to you? I don't know why I would give it to you. I was showing them, look. No, no, no. I'm not accusing you of anything. I'm just, oh, I'm just going out of my mind. Uh, okay. I'll call you. Yeah, me too. Bye. Oh, oh gee. Oh. What you doing? Nothing. Lori? I'm doing nothing. Uh-huh. What are you looking for? I'm looking for nothing. I can help you look. I can help you look. Can't you go for a walk or something? 
What is it? Oh, I'm so embarrassed. Lori. Oh, it's just so stupid. Just tell me. Come on, get it out. Okay. You see, Janet came over and we were talking about Jake and I was telling her about uh, what had happened and how he wasn't coming home. And, oh, she was just so sorry. And um, then I told her about how uh, we had found him and how it had cost lots and that uh, you had liquidated a lot of that coin collection. Well, she thought it was just so weird that you collected coins. And I said, oh, no, no, those coins, they're worth lots of money. You see, there's this, and then there's that. And then I said, well, why don't I just show them to you? So I went and got the box, and I was showing her the barber half dollars. The, the barbers? Yes. The the 1890s? Uh, yes. And I was explaining to her how much they were worth, and she just got so excited. So I went and got the box and brought it out on the porch, and we had some tea, and that was yesterday. Well, you know, you see, last night I was putting the box away, and I noticed that one of the 1893 barber half dollars was missing, and I didn't sleep at all last night, and I checked every inch of the house, and oh, and you really don't have to say it. I know how much they're worth. Do, 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 you, do you really know how yes. much a barber 1893 half dollar is worth? I will find it. I will, really. Lori! <gasps> Jim, you had it the whole time. <laughs> oh, I love you. You're so mean. <laughs> I, I, I was walking here last night, and I saw it, and I just picked it up and put it in my pocket. Why didn't you stop me? Sometimes you just got to wait for that train to go by. Oh, you're so mean. Give it to me. You know what? Janet is not going to believe this. I'm going to throw a party. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Here, you put it up. I'll lose it. <laughs> oh, Janet, Janet, you are never going to believe this. That louse of a husband of mine... Oh, yes. He had that coin the whole time. Yes. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. It's the Lord of the realm. Hi. And why does the king walk the night? Lori. I'm sorry. I'll stop. Come on back to bed. It's been four years. I know. No. No, I mean, tonight. Tonight. Four years ago tonight. Well, I know. I, I was there. Oh. Don't, don't you ever wonder... Oh, I wonder. Every minute of every day. Yeah. You think he's changed? Oh, a little. <laughs> he's probably gotten better looking. <laughs> yeah, like his father. <laughs> a girlfriend? Well, maybe he's in love. Oh, like his father. <laughs> yeah. Jim, 
He's not out there. I know. I know. I, I, I keep thinking that he might be. He, he used to be. Yeah, he did. He did. Come on. No, I, I'm going to stay out for a while. You, you go ahead. I'll be okay. You sure? I'm okay. If you want to talk. Okay. Good Thank night. You. Thank you. If I want to talk. Where are you, Jake? Where are you? Hey, I'd play catch with you, boy. I'd love to do that, buddy. You are one useless mailbox. You take, but you never give. Mr. Mailbox, you are one of the few things in my... Luke 15, 21? What? Oh. The... The... Mail's running late tonight, huh? A little... I'm a little rusty here. Could could you help me? I don't know. It's it's from that story, you know. The one where the kid comes home. Dad. Take my son! I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. No! It's fine, you're home. That's all that matters. You're home. My son is home. Come on. Wait, Dad, just wait. You said no idea what I've done. Jake! It doesn't matter. Please, I gotta tell you. Please, you don't understand. Please. Oh, Jake. Jake. I love. You, I love you. Come on, I gotta tell your mom, Ori, Ori, Jake's oh, home. Jake, oh, he's here. Jake, oh, oh. come on. Oh, come. you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.